Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Take your Bibles tonight and turn to the book of 1 Peter. It's good to see all of you in the house of the Lord tonight. In case you were wondering, 20 days until uh, we depart for Tucson. I know, I know. We're the same way. We're excited, and then it's like, wow. But it's gotten real because I shipped our vehicle today from Anchorage. Uh, So, uh, as I said earlier, we go to Maui tomorrow. We'll be there for nine days. We come back. We'll be here from back from the, back from Maui on the 9th we ship all our household goods on the 12th and 13th we close on the sale of our house on the 15th and we fly out on the 19th so pray for us uh, part of team Tucson has already uh, departed as i said Chad and Sarah are in Texas visiting uh, Sarah's family before they drive over to Tucson and uh, the other part of our team uh, that has come forth uh, will be coming behind us shortly after. Uh, God has just worked amazing things out. Please again keep us in prayer. Uh, pray for the, all of us that are traveling. Pray for, pray for the transition. Pray for favor. Pray for finances. Pray for a building. Pray for it all. Uh, we covet your prayers. Uh, but again, thank you for being here tonight. Uh, the book of First Peter. Our text is actually verses 15 and 16, but I want to start reading uh, with verse 13. I was looking at this and thought, eh, I want to read more of that. So 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. This is what Peter is telling us tonight. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So remember, a couple weeks ago I preached on hope, that we have a hope. Here Peter is reminding us again that we got to change our way of thinking That's what he means there. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Change the way you think and rest our hope fully on the grace that will be fully revealed when Jesus returns. Verse 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust as in your ignorance. Then our target verses tonight, verse 15 and 16, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy, but let's keep reading. Verse 17, and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. Not fear as in being afraid, but reverence before the Lord, that we're going to walk this out doing what he tells us. Verse 18, knowing that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from our aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, hallelujah, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope are in God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that it brings about change in our lives. In your name, amen. You can be seated. Again, what a privilege it is to stand before you tonight and preach the Word of God. We had a powerful prayer time this morning, an early morning prayer. Uh, God showed up and shifted things, and we, 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 got to, we prayed over things that we like to pray over, but it was uh, kind of quick add-on prayers at the end because God just moved and uh, ministered to people by His Spirit. So I encourage you. Uh, Show up for early morning prayer or join online if you can't make it because you're driving to work. Um, don't close your eyes and get lost in the spirit while you're driving, though. Although he's well able, he'll give his angels charge over you. Uh, but uh, what a powerful time we had this morning and what a powerful time already tonight. Are you glad you're in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. There was a phrase that I heard from the Holy Spirit today. It's a phrase from scripture. It says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
In fact, there are six scriptural references recorded where Jesus made this statement. They are meant for, for your writing. I got notes again tonight for you. Aren't you proud of me? If you're, wanna, if you're taking notes, this is not in your notes, but you can fill these in if you want. Look, at them, look them up later. Matthew eleven fifteen, Matthew 13, 9, Matthew 13, 43, Mark chapter 4, verse 9, Luke chapter 8, verse 8, and Luke chapter 14, verse 35. Six times that Jesus used this phrase, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, but there's more. In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, says seven times to the seven churches that are being discussed and talked about in those two chapters, he says the same thing. He who has ears, let them hear what the Spirit is saying. I think, as God laid this phrase in my spirit today, I think God is wanting us to hear something tonight. I think he's saying, listen, church, I want you to tune your ears. Because see, it says, it doesn't, it says, he that has ears to hear. There are people that have ears, but unfortunately, for whatever reason, uh, physically have an, an, an impairment and are deaf, cannot hear. They have ears, but they cannot hear in the physical, in the natural. And aren't you thankful that God is in the business of opening deaf ears? But in the spiritual, there are people that have ears, but they're not ears to hear what God is saying. They're ears to hear all kinds of other stuff. In fact, there was a time in my, in my, uh, in my life where I got into talk radio. That'll mess you up if that's all you listen to. Cause, cause you can hear a left opinion and then the next person on the talk radio, you can hear a right opinion and then the next one, you can hear one down the middle who's undecided and you can get all, I would find myself getting all worked up when I'd hear people spouting off opinions that I knew were contrary to God's word and weren't what our nation was founded on. And, and I just would get, and I finally, I was like, the Holy Spirit said, what are you doing? Why are you wasting your time? Now, for those of you that like talk radio, please, I'm just telling you what the Holy Spirit told me. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you what the Holy Spirit told me. He said, quit wasting your time listening to that because what you listen to, what you hear, what you and I allow into our spirit, this is for somebody tonight, what we allow into our spirit through our eye gate and our ear gate affects our spirit. And Jesus thought it was important enough when he was teaching parables in the gospels and the Holy Spirit thought it was important enough to tell John the Revelator as he wrote the, the, the book of Revelation, one of my favorite books in the Bible, uh, it was important for them to have the, hear, for us to hear. If you have ears to hear, then use them and hear what the Spirit is saying. That's what I want to do. I want to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. I want to hear what he's speaking to me about my life and what he wants me to do and the, the plans and the purposes. We've been praying all along as we've been on this journey of transitioning from Alaska, transitioning from being uh, so involved in KSM and praise God for all he's doing. And, and let me tell you, fill out, get, stop by the KSM table. Find out, fill out an application. It doesn't cost anything. And it doesn't mean that you're committed. It means that you are putting your name in the hat and seeing what the Holy Spirit would say to you. But get it in in time so that you can be considered for this fall semester. But as we've been walking through this transition that God has us on, I've been saying all along, Lord, we make our plans, but your word declares that you order our steps. And we don't want to be out of step with you. We don't want to miss one step. We don't want to miss one opportunity. And God has been amazing in all that he's done and all that he's been doing in our lives and so many others. There are so many testimonies of the goodness of God and what he's been doing in the hearts and lives of people here as we seek him and as we tune our ear. You know, I... I, I um, Minister, Minister Vicky was talking about, you know, old school check registry. Um, I'm a little older. I remember transistor radios. Okay. And growing up in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, I would listen to at night because at night AM stations travel farther at night. Okay. In case you didn't know that. Some of you are like, what's an AM station? <laughs> anyway, um, I would listen to, I would listen to baseball games at night on the AM stations, but I'd have to, 
I'd have to tune the dial just right. I'd have to get it just right. Sometimes I'd have to put the radio in a different position in my bedroom so I could hear the game. Most of the time, St. Louis Cardinals. And I could hear the game and I'd have to tune in. The same thing's true for you and I as we walk this thing out, as we seek the Lord, we've got to learn to tune our spiritual ears to what the Holy Spirit is saying. We got to learn to block out all the other voices that are broadcasting. Because if we could see in the airways, if we could see in the airways, and I'm talking physical airways right now, and they have cameras that do this from satellite, you could see uh, uh, signals being broadcast all, and crisscrossing all over. I mean, we, have, we, we carry computers in our pocket or our purse now called a cell phone. I remember the very first cell phone that Minister Jan and I had. It was the big, looked like Star Trek tricorder thing, you know, that flipped open and you had to make sure you were in the right place. And before, you know, our kids all grew up having cell phones, but I, we, I remember going out to dinner and having to tell the babysitter what restaurant we were going to so that in case there was a problem, they could call the restaurant and say, can you find the Haggerty's? Cause we need to talk to them. There's a whole generation now that has no idea what that thing that used to hang on the wall that you would, you would rotary dial, you know, or a party line. You had to know what your ring was. I mean, I'm blowing, I can tell right now I'm blowing some of y'all's minds because if you picked up and it wasn't your ring, you were hearing another conversation, you'd get yelled at. Anyway, what I'm trying to say in in all of this is we need to learn to tune our ears, our spiritual ears into the signal and the sound and the voice that's coming from heaven because God is on the move. He's got a plan and a purpose for you and I. He's got something for us to do. It isn't just to, to try to survive. It's to thrive. It's to walk in the blessing. It's to walk in authority. It's to walk with our head held high, knowing that we are the redeemed of the Lord and we're called to say so. We're called to declare forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into the glorious light of his son Jesus. But if our ears aren't tuned to what he has to say, then we're going to be wandering around aimlessly missing opportunities for God to bless us and God to use us. Amen. That's my introduction. Number one, introduction number one. All right. The title of my message tonight is Seven Habits of Highly Holy People. Seven Habits of Highly Holy People. In 1989, a, a book hit the shelves that was destined to become a bestseller. It was geared toward giving people the tools they needed to enjoy powerful and effective living. And that book, written by a gentleman by the name of Stephen R. Covey, was entitled The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Ever heard of that book? Now, I personally don't know Stephen, Co- Stephen R. Covey. I don't know his, well, I didn't do research, just being honest. I don't know his, where he's at with the Lord. I don't know his mindset and his philosophy, but I do know the habits that he outlined are seven habits that he said people should learn to have in their life. Those seven are initiative, creativity, productivity, Interdependence, and I, I'm not going to go there. I'm, we're not going to talk about these. I'm just giving them to you. Empathy, valuing differences, that one scares me, and consistency. Now, according to Covey, if you have these seven habits in your daily life, you could describe yourself in one word, effective. Well, I want to tell you, church, long before Stephen Covey ever wrote his book, the Holy Spirit instructed men and women of God to, to record and to believe and walk out the book that he wrote that has been a bestseller ever since it was printed. And it is designed to help us not just have an effective life, but it's designed to help you and I have the most successful life on this side of heaven. And it doesn't, it doesn't just uh, say, try these things. It gives us some specific guidelines, some specific rules, some specific plans that if you and I will follow, it will produce in us something that God wants to produce. The scriptures want us to be able to define ourselves in a word, holy. Holy. We read it tonight from 1 Peter, and we'll read it again in just a moment. And if nothing else tonight, get and understand this, Christ was holy. 
When he walked the earth, when he was here, he, everything he did was done from, an as, from the aspect of being holy. Because God is holy. Holy can mean separate, different, other than. And as Christians, you and I are called to live a holy life. In case you didn't get it tonight, we're talking about holiness. It's an important topic. It's a topic that some people choose to ignore. But Peter tells us again in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, 15 and 16, but now some of you be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Be holy. God is telling you and I through, through the Holy Scriptures anointed by the Holy Spirit that we should be holy. Now, automatically some might say, Why? Well, because God's holy. Peter answered that. He's telling us to be holy, and here's the reason why. Because it's written, be holy because I'm holy. Well, now, now hang on just a second. How can I be holy? I'm, I'm, I'm a sinful person. I've got issues. I've got gaps. I've got problems. Listen, we all have issues. We all have gaps. We all have problems. That's why we need Jesus. And there is not a sin, there is not an issue, there is not a gap, there's not a habit, there's not a shortcoming, there's not a whatever term you want to use that you can't take to the foot of the cross and repent of it and lay it down there and leave it there, walk away from it and allow the power of Holy Spirit and the Word of God to work in your life to make you holy. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is true. But it also says, and it says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. We have eternal life and the power and the ability to be, to walk in holiness and to be holy because of what Jesus did and what the Holy Spirit wants to cultivate and do in your life and in my life. It's kind of like this. If you never aim for something, you'll never, you have zero chance of hitting it. I mean, that's, that's true. If you, if you go hunting, but you never pick up the gun or the bow, and you never aim at that animal that you're trying to hunt, guess what? You got zip chance of hitting it. But if you pick up the gun, or you pick up the bow, or if you pick up the sword, and you aim for something, you aim for the holiness that God is calling us to. You aim to live a holy life. You aim to live a life that is separate from this world. Now, we're not, we're not of this world. We're in this world. And we're not supposed to turn our back on this world. We're supposed to influence this world. We're supposed to take over. You sound militant. Hey, the, <laughs> listen. God called us to take over. When God started this whole thing in the book of Genesis, you've heard me say it before, his plan and his purpose was for his creation, mankind, Adam and Eve, to take dominion. That's be responsible for what they've been given. To subdue the earth, that's taking authority. That's taking over. And to multiply and increase his kingdom. His plan hasn't changed. Just because sin came in the world, just because Adam and Eve messed up and disobeyed, and now we have to deal with that, doesn't mean that God changed his mind. That's why he told Peter, when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus said, blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my father in heaven revealed this to you. And upon this rock of revelation, what revelation? That he is the Christ, the son of the living God. That upon that revelation, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That means when you and I get up in the morning, hell ought to fear you and I. Are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy. That's what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that if you and I walk in the revelation, I'm not even near my notes. If the Word of God says if you and I walk in the revelation of who Jesus is, if we understand what this says, if we can tap into the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon the Word of God, and we can wake up in the morning and take it up and say, God, I'm going to do according to your Word. I'm going to do according to your plan. I'm going to flow according to your purpose. Then we should be ransacked hell. We should be driving out demons. We should be driving out the influence of evil. Because God's called us to be holy. He's called us to be different. He's called us to be separate. He's called us to be a reflection, a mirror light reflecting Jesus. Last week's sermon. So I want to give you tonight what I call seven habits of highly holy people. 
And I believe if, if you'll take notes and if you'll listen to what the Holy Spirit will say, maybe only one or two of these you need some work on, maybe all seven, that's okay. We're all, we're all in the same boat. We're all being conformed, made into the image of his son, Jesus. But let the Holy Spirit speak to you through these tonight and see what areas you might need to tighten up a little bit, shore up or repent and, and, and get back on track, all right? So seven habits of highly holy people. Habit number one, highly holy people understand that scripture or the Bible is the guide for their daily lives. It's not the opinion of man. It's not the opinion of society. It's not even the opinion of other Christians that should be ultimately guiding our lives. It's the precious word of God. And highly holy people understand that. That scripture is the guide for their lives. Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. Highly holy people love God's word. I remember uh, when we were associate pastors in Fairbanks. Wow. Wow. Uh, end of 1999, long time ago, we had an evangelist that came through and, and, and I know what he meant, but it bugged me. I'm just on a soapbox at the moment. It bugged me. He said, we, we need to, we need to learn to stand on God's word. And I'm like, absolutely. He said, so here's what I want you to do. Everybody take your Bible, put it on the floor and stand on it as an act of faith of standing on God's word. I'm like, mm, you lost me there, dude. I was tracking with you when you were talking about we need to stand on the, the word of God. But when you're talking about physically, actually, listen, people died to have, so we could have this. There are people in nations around the world that will actually end up giving their lives because they have a portion of this. Highly holy people love God's word. They can't get enough of it. They base their lives on it. It's part of them. They know that it has the power to protect them from all kinds of junk in life. Psalm 119, 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, I keep struggling with sin. Well, are you hiding his word in your heart? Because here's what happens. This word is alive. This word is not just, not just words on, on printed page or electronically. It's alive. And when we hide it in our heart and, and some other voice, remember I'm talking about let, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. When some other voice, when some other message, when something else comes up and says, hey, it's okay to do this or what do you think about that? Or everybody's doing this. We've got his word hidden in our heart and his word says, oh, Holy Spirit says, no, that's not what my word says. My, my word says this, my word says thus and so, thus saith the Lord. And that's when we can go, okay, I'm not getting into error. I'm not, I'm not getting distracted, uh, you know, and off track. I'm staying on track because I've got his word hidden in my heart. This is a habit of highly holy people. Amen. And not only do they love it and not only do they know that it will protect them from all kinds of junk, but they share it whenever possible. Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. The study and application of the Bible is a habit with highly holy people. Habit number two, highly holy people daily seek God in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 says, pray continually, Paul told us. If our lives are be, to be defined as holy, we must be people of prayer. You cannot be a highly holy person before God and not have a prayer life. It's just impossible. You can't. Why? Because prayer is our half of a lifelong conversation with God. Did you get that? A lifelong conversation with God. It is how we develop a relationship with the creator of the universe. It should be understood that a life of prayer leads to a life of holiness. Amen? Listen, I know not everybody can come to early morning prayer, but have early morning prayer where you are. 
Okay. Have noontime prayer where you are. Have three o'clock in the afternoon prayer where you are. Have evening prayer where you are. Have 3 a.m. In, in, in 3 a.m. prayer where you are. I, I mean, I, that's, that's, that's my heart's cry. God, wake me up whenever you need to wake me up. Stop me in the middle of whatever I'm doing. You know, we, I shared our schedule. It's, it, it's busy. You know, we got all kind of, we're doing all kind of stuff and we're, get, we're getting ready to fly out tomorrow. But we got, all, I, when I come back, I got a few days before, the, before everything gets shipped. I'm behind. It was busy, but I had to stop today and say, Lord, I need to hear you from you. I need to spend time with you. And he was so gracious this morning to show up in prayer and, and his spirit do what it did this morning in our prayer time. And I'm like, thank you, Lord. But how many of you would be honest? Don't raise your hand. I'll raise mine. Because I, I want to always be honest. There are days that it's like, I get to the end of the day, it's at night, I'm like, Lord, I, I barely talked to you today. Please forgive me. And he's like, yeah, I know. You missed opportunities. And he doesn't say it, you know, to make me feel bad, but it's true. If, you're gonna, if we're going to be holy people, if we're going to develop habits that cause our lives to count for something, then we've got to be people of prayer. Prayer is a habit with highly holy people. Habit number three, highly holy people are devoted to following Christ no matter what. No matter what. 2 Timothy 2, 8 and 9 says, Remember Jesus Christ raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Highly holy people realize that being a Christian is not always a cakewalk. That's a term maybe some of you have never heard before. We all want life to be a cakewalk. I've said it before. It's something that the, the Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit a long time ago as a youth pastor, actually. Uh, that, that it'd be amazing if at the moment we got saved, at the moment that we repented of our sins, and Jesus accepted our repentance and offered his forgiveness. And don't miss what I said. Because we're not forgiven until he offers his forgiveness based on the attitude of our heart as we repent. Okay, But as we repent before God and he accepts our forgiveness, our repentance and offers us forgiveness, it would be amazing if at that moment when we got up from that prayer, whether we were laying on the floor, standing up, seated, whatever we were doing at that instant moment, we hovered about six inches off the ground and we just kind of coasted through life. That life became a cakewalk. We were coated in Holy Ghost Teflon so that nothing that the enemy threw at us or other people threw at us would stick. It would hit and bounce and fall off. That would be amazing. But there are people that understand, highly holy people understand, life is, the, the Christian life isn't always guaranteed to be a cakewalk. If it is, then how do you explain the people that suffered, that gave their life, that said, I'll do what you want me to do, God. I'll go where you want me to go. Uh, of all the, uh, the apostles, the disciples and apostles, John was the only one that died a natural death. And they still tried to kill him and couldn't. Being told we're going to saw you in half. We're going to burn you at the stake. We're going to crucify you. We're going to beat you. We're going to stone you unless you renounce Jesus. That's not a cakewalk. But highly holy people who love the word of God and have a prayer life that is a daily communication with the creator of the universe are committed to serve Jesus Christ no matter what. There are people in, this, in, in our world today that live their life for Jesus under the constant threat of that life being taken by evil people at a moment's notice. And we have a, we get bent out of shape when our latte takes too long. Oh, I'm talking now. See, I've never experienced that because I don't drink coffee. But anyway, we get bent out of shape if, if somebody is, is rude, you know, in the line or they cut us off going down the road or won't let us in because of all the construction that's taken place or whatever the case may be. And we think that's persecution. Well, they don't like me at my job because I'm a Christian. Well, yeah, but I love what Dr. Morocco told me one time. I was frustrated about a situation and he said, Barry, have you shed, have you, are you suffering to the point of shedding blood? I said, no, sir. He said, then I think we're going to be okay. 
Highly holy people have a habit of understanding that we're committed to Jesus no matter what. Being a Christian is not always a cakewalk, but they recognize that being a Christian has with it, comes with it an automatic association with Jesus suffering. In fact, the Bible tells us that if we can't, if we can't partake in his suffering, then we cannot also partake in his glory. They endure because they know what Christ went through and they're willing to do the same. Holy people are devoted to following him no matter what. But more than just enduring hardship, highly holy people are devoted to Christ because they understand that in him alone is an eternal reward. John 14, 6, Jesus answered and said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Devotion to Christ springs from a desire to identify with him and then live with him for eternity. Unconditional devotion to Jesus Christ is a habit with highly holy people. That's why in the book of Revelation to the church at Laodicea, the spirit said to them, I wish you were hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. I've heard people translate that as that means it makes the Holy Spirit sick. Maybe so, but I don't ever want to do that. In fact, God is saying, look, pick a side. Elijah told the children of Israel on Mount Carmel, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? If God is God, serve him. If he's not and Baal is, then serve him. But quit going back and forth. All you're doing is bringing confusion. Riding the fence blurs the vision of who Jesus is to the world. Anyway, habit number four, highly holy people live each day guided by the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 says, so I say, live by the Spirit. Galatians 5, 25 says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We are guided by the Spirit. To live by the Spirit means that our lives have the evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And you can sum it up with having the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, guidance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And again, in case you didn't catch that, let me remind you, there are gifts, plural, of the Spirit, but there is fruit, singular, of the Spirit. What does that mean? It means that if the Holy Spirit is resident in us, out of our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. If we are walking in step with the Holy Spirit, as Paul said, being guided by the Holy Spirit, as the Bible tells us to, being instructed by the Holy Spirit, then we don't get to pick and choose which one of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control we want to operate in today. Because they're all fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. All of them. It's not a buffet. I think today I'll take faithfulness and kindness and goodness, but I ain't so sure about love. It's all of them. And to be led by the Holy Spirit, to be guided by the Holy Spirit, means that is evident. A life defined by these traits is a life defined by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So check your fruit before somebody else does. Before God uses somebody else who lovingly, I'm talking about a brother and sister in Christ who lovingly says, hey, that wasn't very kind. See, that's the amazing thing about spouses. They are great at keeping us in line. In fact, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm going to blow through the clock. I don't want, mean to. <laughs> when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, ladies, this is for you. Gentlemen, this is for you. When God put Adam and Eve in the garden, the Bible says that God put Adam in the garden and there was no suitable help meet for him. Now it's been translated helpmate. But those mean two different things. Help meet means there was nobody suitable to help Adam meet up to what God intended for him to be. Help mate means there was nobody suitable to help Adam do stuff. That's not what God was saying. We have unfortunately in the church, I'm going to get myself in trouble now. We have unfortunately in the church uh, consigned women who love God, anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit, called by God to say, well, you can help do things. Can I tell you the greatest gift that I have is named Minister Jan Haggerty. 37 years she has put up with my sorry backside. 
And she has done a whole lot to help me meet up to the expectation that God placed on me. She calls me on the carpet when I'm not kind. She calls me on the carpet when I'm not being loving. She calls me on the carpet when I'm not exuding goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. And when my pride gets up, because I'm just being transparent, you should be too before the Lord. When my pride gets up, I start resenting that. What are you talking about? I'm not being kind. You ought to look in the mirror. And that's when the Holy Spirit and the spirit of slap comes upon me. And he's like, what are you doing? Now, some of you gentlemen might be saying, you don't know my wife. She's not trying to help me meet up to anything. All she's doing is complaining. Can I tell you, gentlemen, can I say to you as one of them, as one of us, how much like Jesus are we being? Because if we're not being like Jesus, oh, Jesus, help me. If we're not being like Jesus, being a holy man, if we're not being like Jesus, our wives get frustrated because they can't help but see it and want to help us meet what God called us to do. Because God put that in them when he created them. Now, I'd love to tell you, I knew this 37 years ago when we got married. I did not. It would have saved us a whole lot of hassle. And as I think it's, Brother Tiff says, saved us a whole lot of, of uh, <laughs> real excited fellowship. <laughs> if I'd have got this a lot sooner. So gentlemen, that's for you. Ladies, pray for them, but help them. <laughs> I need all the help I can get. And I'm so thankful for the, and if you're offended, I'm sorry, take it to the Lord. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we are guided by the Holy Spirit. Highly holy people follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit even when it is contrary to their own plans. Paul in Acts chapter 16 is an example of that. Help me, Jesus. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Pergia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, and tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready to once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. What are you saying? I'm saying that Paul had, the, Paul had this idea. We're going to go here and preach. Well, that's a good thing, right? Going and preaching, establishing a church in this, but the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them. Highly holy people that are guided by the Holy Spirit will listen to what he has to say, even if it's contrary to your own plans and your own thoughts. Following the leading of the Holy Spirit is a habit of highly holy people. Habit number five, we're going to get through all of them. Stay with me. Highly holy people are accountable to God's house and his people. Hebrews 10, 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Holy people understand the benefit of being with God's people. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There is something about being together. There is something about gathering together. You guys know that. You're here on Wednesday night, Holy Ghost night, when it's raining for the however many days in a row in Alaska. In August, it's been raining. You guys understand the importance of that. There are people that have missed that aspect. And can I tell you, when you miss that aspect, it affects your holiness. Because you know what? The Holy Spirit that resides in me and the Holy Spirit that resides in you, when we get together, the Holy Spirit is magnified. And when the Holy Spirit is magnified, then he has an opportunity to speak to us through the word of God. He has an opportunity to speak to us through prayer. He has an opportunity to guide us in our daily walk when we're doing this together. That's why kings, we experience life with people, power, and purpose. Because we're determined to under, not neglect this great thing called gathering together to worship Jesus. He is enthroned on the praises of his people. And you might be like, oh, now you're, now you're stretching. I'm just saying people sounds like plural to me. Anyway. <laughs> holy, peop holy people understand the benefit of being with God's people. Paul says that the church is like a body. All of us are members of it. 
little soapbox of mine. Parents, make sure your children are in church. Make sure they're in church. They don't want to go. So? I, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but it's your house until they're no longer living in it. Well, they just, they argue. Well, they, they argue about what you cook for them. They argue about, am I, am I down on children? Absolutely not. But I'm, in, I'm loving being an empty nester. Hallelujah. <laughs> 34 of those 37 years together, we had children in our house. My wife is thankful. She's like, I don't have to cook like I had to cook. Our grocery bill has gone down. It's amazing. See, I'm trying to lighten up this just a little bit. But parents, make sure your children are in church, that they don't miss what God wants to do here, what he wants to do through our children's ministry, what he wants to do through our youth ministry. Make sure they're in church. <laughs> when you do that, you cultivate holiness in their lives as well as your own life. Be there for everything you can. Find a place to get involved. Find your place of ministry and be faithful to it. Well, I don't know where to serve. Well, if you haven't gone to Discover Track yet, I can understand why you might not know where to serve. But if you've gone to the, through Discover Track and you're still not sure where to serve, stop by the Next Steps desk. We'll help you find your next step. Besides, you, besides being present, be accountable to someone. Accountability has to be offered. Well, I want you to be accountable to me. Well, I'm not interested in being accountable. Then it's not going to happen. But if you find someone, a brother or sister in the Lord that is, is seasoned in the Lord, that hears the voice of the Lord, that's a holy person that's developing and walking in these habits and you're struggling or you just want to make sure you stay on track, become accountable to them. We call it who holds your shut up card. I have a couple of men, besides my wife, who hold, she definitely holds my shut-up card. But I have a couple of men in my life that hold my shut-up card, meaning they can call me at a moment's notice, they can walk up to me at a moment's notice, they can ask me to hand this to them, they can ask me what, what my thought life is, they can ask me where my holiness is, they can ask me what's going on, because I have made myself accountable to them. Because if I make myself accountable to them, then I've got brothers in the Lord who are watching my back, and they have my best interest at heart. Anyway, we got to keep going on. Faithfulness to God's house is a habit with highly holy people. Two more, habit number six. Highly holy people are obedient in separating themselves from the spirit of the world. I could get myself in trouble, but I'm going to stick to my notes. First Thessalonians 4, 3, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. We should Walk different, talk different, act different, do different, be different, live different, look different than the rest of the world that doesn't know Jesus. Again, I mentioned it in what it says in Revelation, that if you're in the middle, if you're neither hot nor cold, it, it, you cause issues and problems. We blur the vision of who Jesus is when we look. I mean, and part of it is because why would the world want to add a bunch of list of rules to what they're already struggling with if they don't see a difference in your life and in my life except for a bunch of rules? Well, you know, I, yeah, I think Joe's a Christian. If your name's Joe, I'm not picking on you. I think Joe's a Christian because he goes to church, but he probably has to ask for forgiveness on Sunday because on Friday night, he's at the bar with us and stuff. And so, and they're like, why do I need to add, have feeling pressure to go to church and repent for something when I don't really see a difference in their lives? Highly holy people understand and are committed to living and being separate, separating themselves from the spirit of the world, not separating themselves from people. Because if we separate ourselves from people, we'll never be able to influence them. We'll never be able to be salt and light so that they understand they can have a hope found in Jesus. But we separate ourselves from the spirit of the world. A life of personal purity is absolutely required of holy people. You may not agree, and I say this in love, but there are some places Christians should not go. There are some things that Christians should not watch. There are some things that Christians should not say, should not laugh at, and should not partner with. 
Well, what are those things? I'll let the Holy Spirit speak to you about what they are. But can I tell you, if he's already detailed it and lined it out in here, you have no footing to stand on to say, well, I haven't been personally convicted of that yet when he put it in black and white. Amen. All right. If you and I are to be effective ministers of the gospel, which is what we are, we must crucify our flesh and work towards presenting our bodies as living sacrifices that are acceptable and pleasing to God. A holy life has been sanctified, set apart for God's service. It's a life that puts self to death and seeks to be pure and acceptable to God. I know I'm going fast. Do your best. We live in an age of godlessness where men and women are more concerned with the immediate than with the eternal and where the lines, I, I mean, I'm not even, I'm just going to, oh, help me, Jesus. Where we even have people debating whether they can define what male or female is. Jesus, help us. The spirit of this world is an impure spirit of selfishness. And it is the opposite of holiness. Separation from the spirit of the world is a habit with highly holy people. And lastly, habit number seven. Brother Toby, if you could come back to the keys, please, that would be amazing. Highly holy people seek to serve the body out of thankfulness to God. Second Corinthians nine, beginning in verse eight, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way. Listen to what Paul is saying by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. When we serve God and his people, it's an expression of thankfulness to God for what he's done for you and I. And if we're a highly holy person, then we're gonna serve with a glad heart. We're gonna serve whether we get recognition or not. We're gonna serve not for the opinion of men or the accolades of men. Oh, what a great job. What, look at the job you're doing. Man, you're amazing. Well, thank you, I'm glad that I'm amazing, but I'm doing this because I'm thankful, because he rescued me, he set me, he took me out. I'm not an outcast any longer. I'm not separated from him any longer. He took my sin and cast it as far as the east is from the west, he stole my sin sin and thy transgressions into the sea of forgetfulness. God chooses to limit himself to remember all the stuff that I used to be. Paul talks about it, that he talks about the sexually immoral and the impure and the liars and the disobeyers of their parents and the mockers and those that are given to debauchery and drunkenness. And he said, as some of you used to be, but now you no longer are. Why? Because of what Jesus has done. And when we get a hold of what Jesus has done, when we get an attitude of gratitude that every day we live our lives thankful to God that we're breathing, thankful to God that our heart is pumping blood through our veins and our lungs are expanding and contracting to bring air in and oxygen in that we need. And we have a mind that can think and a mind that is anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit to understand the word of God and our spirits can be enlightened and that God can speak to us and the ears of our understanding can be opened to know the power and the glory and the riches of who he is. When we understand that, then we'll gladly serve. Sorry. We'll gladly give of ourselves. We'll gladly prefer one another over ourselves. We'll gladly say, what can I do? How can I help? Oh, you need tables moved? I'm your man. You need prayer? I'm your person because I'm anointed by the Holy Spirit to pray, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to see miracle signs and wonders that follow after me because I believe in Jesus. That's a habit of a highly holy person. Whew. <laughs> Each one of us has been gifted in one way or another. You can't, please understand, I will argue with you if you say, I don't have any gifts. Yes, you do. Because you were handcrafted by God. 
And if you were handcrafted by God, you were handcrafted for a purpose. You were handcrafted for a, a, by a plan of God, for a purpose of God, to fulfill the destiny He created you to do. So I would argue with you if you'd say, I don't have any gifts and I can't do anything. No, you have a, you have a, 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 a mind problem. Renew your mind by the power of the word. Let your, let your mind be washed by the water of the word and you begin to see who he is and what he's called you to do and who he's created you to be. You may not, look, I, can, I love to preach. In case you didn't notice, I love to preach. Maybe you never heard this term. Somebody can preach at the drop of the hat. Listen, I'll drop the hat for an opportunity to preach. And you might be like, I'd be scared to death to get up front. That's because we need all kinds of people doing all the things that God has called us and created us and put in you. I need your gifts that God put in you and you need mine and we need each other. Highly holy people do what they can to determine their spiritual gifts with which they have been gifted and then seek to put those gifts to use within the body of Christ. Why? So as Paul said, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel. It is important for the child of God to seek out a place of service. God did not give us spiritual gifts so that we could enjoy having them, but he gave them to us so we could enjoy using them. Service to the body of Christ is a habit with highly holy people. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I hope I've given you something to think about tonight. I hope I've given you some things to make prayer in your life. God, God, thank you that I'm walking in this. Thank you that I'm doing this. But Lord, I need help here. Oh, I need the Holy Spirit to help me here. Holy Spirit, I need you. Show me who I can be accountable to. I don't want to be accountable to, to, to Brother Bucket Mouth or Sister Backstabber. They don't go to church here, by the way. Let me wrap this up. Thank you for your allowing me to preach from my heart tonight. If God did not intend for us to be holy, these are your notes, this is the last part of your notes. If God did not intend for us to be holy people, he would not have commanded us to be holy people. Can I give you one more illustration real quick? How many of you have ever heard people say, well, God knows I'm only human, okay? Can I tell you that when we don't look, act, talk, sound, walk, and represent God, we are less than human. Because when God made Adam and Eve and put them in the garden, he made them human. So when we don't act like Jesus, when we don't do the works of Jesus, when we continually go back to our sin over and over and over again, when we don't keep ourselves separate from the spirit of the world, but we entertain it, we can't stand and say, well, God understands because he knows I'm just human. I'm telling you, no. Because when we operate like that, and I'm saying we, including me, we are being less than what God intended for us to be. Less than what he created us to be. We're being less than human because God knew when he created Adam and Eve, he created them human with the ability at that moment that he created them to walk in obedience, to live in obedience, to do what he said, to have fellowship and communion with him. I mean, it was, uh, can you imagine? And we'll get to see it. Oh, I got a close. We'll get to see it when we get to heaven. But can you imagine what it was like before the fall? God came down. The God came and walked with them in the garden in the cool of the day. And I'm just crazy enough. I have a vivid imagination about stuff like that. I can imagine that when God came down and I'm not trying, this just me, don't build a theology on it. The theology of the butterfly, don't build it. Don't, don't do there. But can, I, can, I can imagine God coming down and walking with Adam and Eve and Adam going, Father God, I wanna show you what I, what I saw today. And he takes him over and there's this new, this butterfly with these new colors in its wings. And Adam got to share that with, with his creator, with his father, God. 
Can you imagine that kind of fellowship? That's what God intends for you and I. That's what heaven's gonna be, but he wants us to experience that now, here and now. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to have that kind of close relationship with God that he speaks to us in a moment's notice. We're going this way and he says, turn left, go into Safeway, cars, excuse me, go into cars, go down the produce aisle. When you get to the nectarines, you're gonna see a lady. She's standing there. She's got a green purse and blonde hair. And when you see her, go up and tell her how much I love her, that I've got a perfect plan for her, that I've got a plan and a purpose. And if she'll give me a chance, I'll do amazing things in her life. I didn't know that was possible. I'm sorry that you didn't know that was possible, but I just told you it was. So now you do. Uh, yes, Jesus. The fact that God command, gave the command is an indication that he has made it possible. God is not a child abuser. He doesn't dangle this out here and say, be holy, be holy. Ah, there's no way you can. He says, be holy. And if you'll let me, I'll help you. And with my power of my spirit in you, you will get as close to it as you can this side of heaven. Oh, I could keep going, but I got to quit. Part of living a life of holiness is developing habits in our lives that are holy. Christ living in our life can make holiness a reality for sinful humanity. That's your last fill in. Christ living in our lives can make holiness a reality for sinful humanity. Why? Because he works from the inside out. This holiness process is a process of inside out that what he does on the inside begins to become evident on the outside. Did you get something tonight? Stand with me all across this place. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We never close the service without giving this invitation and this invitation is for you that are watching online. All of you that joined us, praise God. Thank you for being with us in service tonight. And also, as always, thank all of you for being here in service tonight. But we never, we never want to close the service without giving this invitation. There's been a shift. We used to call it the sinner's prayer. It's in recent months, maybe years, but it, at least for me in recent months, shifted to the salvation prayer. Because the prayer doesn't produce us, continue us to be sinners. It produces salvation in us if by faith we pray it and believe it. But if you're here tonight, you're watching online, you listen to this later, and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, remember the Word of God says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but He wants to help us not fall short anymore. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we will be saved because it is through confession and belief and repentance that salvation is gained. So if you're here tonight, it applies to you. You've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. We wanna correct that tonight. If you've got sin in your life that you need to repent of, repentance is freedom. I will say that until I have no more breath. Repentance is freedom. Don't let the enemy say to you, you, you need to repent. That's why you shouldn't be here. Let the Holy Spirit say, you're here. Now let's repent of this and deal with it and get going on the right track. You need to repent of sin in your life and get back on the right track or you just wanna be assured of your salvation. We're gonna pray a prayer in just a moment, but would you bow your head and close your eyes? If you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the first time, or you wanna pray a prayer of repentance to make sure everything's right between you and God, would you lift your hand all across this place so I can pray with you in just a moment? Thank you, hallelujah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you in the back, thank you here in the middle. Once you've raised your hand, you can put it down, thank you. Oh, we ought to be rejoicing. Remember pastor's message. We ought to be rejoicing right about now. The angels are rejoicing. Anyone else? All right. Well, if you raised your hand or you didn't raise your hand, let's all make this a concert of prayer, praying a salvation prayer to be saved for the first time, to be repent of sins and be recommitted again, or just to be assured of your salvation, repeat this prayer after me. Father God, thank you that you love me 
and you want me to belong to you. I'm sorry, Lord, for sin in my life. I repent of it. I ask for your forgiveness. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross and shed your blood so I could be forgiven. So tonight, as you forgive me, I commit to live for you. Help me to live for you. To be a holy person that shines Jesus to everybody I come in contact with. Thank you for cleansing me and forgiving me tonight. In your great name, amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.